The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for tuning into the conversation today. I'm really glad you could join me in my little corner of the internet here. I try to have these conversations with inspirational people. Sometimes it might be a, a thought leader or just someone that I really like, and hopefully that you're going to get as much out of these conversations as I do, helping us navigate, you know, life, life is hard enough trying to hack it on your own. So I really like presenting uh, these interviews and, and conversations for you, the podcaster out there in the ethers. So today is going to be really fun because I have a good friend joining the show, and we're going to talk about New beginnings. I mean, since the pandemic, things have really changed, right? A lot of us were all working from home. There was a phenomenon called the great resignation. People were just quitting their jobs in droves because they realized that sitting there at their cubicle somewhere in nameless company was just making them miserable, soul-sucking experience. People really reprioritized their lives. And the surge to do what you really want to do, you know, maybe address those spiritual ideas that you've been talking about, explore your spiritual side, maybe, you know, things that I'm interested in, the kind of people and interviews that I have on the show, whether it's past lives, mediumship, personal development, anything, people were looking to improve their lives and to really be happy. Like people realized after two years of lockdown, look, life's too short. I want to be happy. So my guest today is helping people be happy that are interested in going into a spiritual business. And by spiritual business, it could be uh, angel tarot card reader or a life coach or a personal coach or, or, or something where, you know, you're, you're in this space. You know what I mean? Or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You, you know what I'm talking about by spiritual business. So my guest today is Mooney Saeed, and he's a marketing expert that I had worked with back in my Hay House days and super smart, really is passionate about helping people to kind of jump into this space. If you're interested in working in a quote, spiritual business, what do you have to do? What does that mean? So we're going to talk about that and kind of explore some of these ideas. So I want to welcome Mooney to the show. So thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It's a little Hay House reunion party. I know. How was my intro? <laughs> it was excellent. I loved it. No, it's 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 amazing to hear you talk about it because it reminds me how much of a thing this is that people are interested in or how many people that have this gift or this calling or something that they can do that's special uh, and they don't really know what to do with it. So they listen to podcasts and they go to events and they take online courses and they get certifications and they still don't know what to do with it. Um, and we get to be that next step. So we get to say, all right, well, here's how you take that next big leap on your journey of figuring out why you, why this gift, why this time, why here on earth, you know what I mean? So right. it answers a big question 
um, these conversations are important. So I'm glad we're we're able to do this because it's going to help some people. Yeah, I think it will help some people who may have been on the fence of really taking the step over the ledge into what they really want to do, what they're passionate about, you know, what they're really interested in, um, in some of these topics. So let's kind of drill down to where, you know, what are we talking about when we say spiritual industry? Oh boy, spiritual industry. Well, it's an <laughs> What's industry. What's your definition? Just, <laughs> um, it's an industry just like anything else. It is a a a a segment of a respected and and well established industry that's been around for decades, if not longer, um, where people who are searching for answers that are outside of organized religion or outside of traditional thought. Uh, can go and explore all of these topics and figure out what works for them and bring that into their life in a way that that creates change and creates transformation. Uh, I That's what I view the spiritual industry as. It's like the Akashic library here on earth for people to go and find the information they're looking for. Oh, I like that. The Akashic library. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's a, that's a great, a great definition. So let's again, kind of define spiritual business because I used to see this at, at Hay House a lot where people would say, why are you charging this for this? It should all be free. Louise Hay wouldn't like that. She would want you to give us this for free. And I, I just think it's interesting the, what's the word, juxtaposition between quote spirituality and a business or making money. And I want to mention one of uh, the programs that I was uh, really lucky to be involved in. This was early on. Uh, back in God, probably two thousand six or seven, we we did a project with Susie Orman, you know, the money guru, and she did a, a whole series on spirituality and money, and how you think about money, the psychology of money. And I thought it was so fascinating because I had never really sat down and thought about how is money discussed in in our household as a kid growing up. And then I realized, well, we never even really talked about money, but there were certain messages that came through, like to make money, you need to work hard. It's drudgery. It's, it's nose to the grindstone, like work hard, work, 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 you know? So that was message messaging that was drilled into me, which gives you a great work ethic, but sometimes like you have no life, you know, it's just taken, it's just taken to the extreme. So I guess I just wanted to give people a little bit of a, um, an exploration into like quote spirituality and and money and some of the things around that. Cause I, I think that's so interesting. It, it, spirituality and money or getting paid for using your gifts do have this, it has this reputation of being diametrically opposed that you shouldn't charge for your gifts. You know, your gifts were given to you from the universe or from spirit or however they got to you. And it's a, it's exactly that a gift. And so for you to go around and turn that into something you make money from somehow cheapens the gift that you have. There's this whole psychology around that. And I totally agree with Susie Orman. Um, I, you know, uh, my background in, in financial events is when I, and, and when I first entered the personal development industry, my first, first job out of college was working with Tony Robbins, which is now when I say that sounds so ridiculous, just be like, oh yeah, my first job out of college is Tony Robbins. But uh, it, it just kind of happened that way. And I was very fortunate that things aligned and I was able to take over managing their wealth and finances event. And so I ex was exposed to a lot of the same information that Susie Orman brings, which is a large stumbling block to you being able to uh, make money or keep money or whatever you, you need to do with the money is your emotional relationship to it. Is that like what it means behind, you know, the, the 
the general kind of like money gets you stuff meaning. So we would do this exercise uh, in the events where the host of the event would ask somebody like, what is money? And they just ask you the same question. You have to give a different answer each time. So it'd be like, what is money? Money's freedom. What is money? Money's power. What is money? Money's this. And then after you get past the first like 15 things that you would normally respond to with what money is, all of a sudden, like the tone shifts, right? There's like this weird thing that happens where like your ego steps out of the way and your actual like higher self comes through and starts talking about what you have related to money, which is money is the chance to spend more time with my family. Money is the chance to create more memories that are positive. Money is the chance to finally feel like I'm worth something. Money is the chance to do this. And some of them are positive and some of them are negative, but they're all deeply woven in there. And spiritual people, I think, as you know, are it's even worse to some degree uh, because you have that additional kind of pressure of, can I really make money using my gift and feel good about it? I think that's like the difference. It's like you can make the money and and not feel good about it. And I would almost venture to say, uh, and, and this may be controversial, like it wouldn't be good for you to do that. It wouldn't be good for you to use your gift make money and then feel terrible about it every day and be torturing yourself because you feel guilty for doing it. It's much better to work on the psychology part of this to get to a point where you can feel good about it. And then, you know, I, I could say at this point, I've helped spiritual teachers make millions of dollars, but I don't really think that works for most people. You really just want to tell you, like, I'm concerned about you not even making like a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars. I'm concerned about you making the first $1 that you could actually feel good about and not I have any that. of this, like any of this stuff carry over about what money means or that you're somehow cheapening your gift or any of those psychological things. And, and that I think is true. Another kind of thing I'll borrow from Tony Robbins, who probably borrowed it from somewhere else <laughs> is that, you know, everything you do is 80% mindset and 20% mechanics, right? So literally anything like you, you're, you have to get your head and your heart and your soul aligned before you can kind of move forward easily, figuring out the mechanics of how you're going to do it, that's all been done before. So whether it's launching a business or working out or, you know, uh, personal empowerment or whatever it is you're looking for, you know, the mechanical parts of that, the things that you have to kind of do here in the physical realm is 20% because you can learn how to do it and you can do that without really thinking about it. But getting you there to do it, getting you to do it and feel empowered, getting it, you know, there and feeling amazing about it that keeps you motivated, that's that 80% mindset part that's sometimes really, really, really hard for people to navigate when you've got all of these limiting beliefs and all of these things kind of woven into you as a human being from, from years. years. Right. You know what I mean? It could be from right. 10 years ago or it could be from 10 minutes ago. All that stuff carries forward. It does. And it's a hurdle sometimes to unlearn things, things that you've learned. I mean, I bet you've, I mean, I've taken so many great lessons from amazing teachers that I've been privileged enough to work with, like, you know, Dr. Dyer and Louise, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can say the same, you know, with those teachers as well and working with Tony Robbins. So does he really have banana hands? He does have very large hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I... the, the thinking of shallow hell, it just cracks me up. But yeah. He was People very proud him. of that movie from what I recall. Like that was, that was something he was very proud of. He was, was that, was that movie. It's a great, if you haven't seen it, Shallow <laughs> Hell is an, an awesome movie because it does kind of help you start to figure out some of the things are the way you create them to be as opposed to the way that they are. But uh, 
yeah, my favorite moment with Tony, and I was really lucky because I got to spend a lot of time with him on work trips. And then when we were on the road, when I became the tour manager, but there was this thing that we did where I had to like be the guinea pig for this life story process that we were doing that he was thinking of using in one of his events. And so I had to go through this whole thing and like reveal all these deep, dark things about my life and things that I was happy about and things that I was upset about. And we finished that whole thing and it was really intense. And then the next day we were walking from one building to another and he like whipped around really fast and like put his banana hand finger in my face <laughs> and was like, that thing that you're doing, you got to cut it out right now. Cause it's going to bring you nothing but misery and pain. And I did. And it stopped that misery and pain from happening. And it's something I've carried with me, you know, all the way through um, because it was something that was getting in the way of me being free, me being able to, you know, have, uh, connections and relationships without the fear of everybody abandoning me. I think that was like a thing that I was worried about. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, it was, it was this thing that was causing a lot of problems for me and he fixed it just like that. It was just being aware of this blind spot thing changed the nature of how I relate to, you know, that part of my life. And I think for spiritual entrepreneurs or people who want to have spiritually based businesses, there is a blind spot thing. And it's usually something about being seen or charging for your services or um, comparing and contrasting yourself with other people or thinking that it's too late. You know, all these things that, that kind of frame the narrative of like what you're trying to do when you step into the spotlight, your spiritual spotlight, if we want to call it that, um, it, it can get in the way and it can stop you from moving forward. Uh, the other thing, and I don't know if you remember this, I feel very lucky to have received my own personal affirmation from Louise when she came into the office one day. Um, and I don't remember the circumstance of what was happening, but I do remember that her affirmation for me was, is everywhere I go, there's laughter and love. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and I have been using that for however many years now that we've, oh, what, gosh, when was that? 10 years ago. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that affirmation has been something that I have, I say to myself pretty much every morning. Um, and it changes the way that I relate to the world. Like even on days that I'm doing like normal, boring stuff, like going to the DMV, I'll think to myself everywhere I go, there's laughter and love. And I had a great time at the DMV. I wouldn't have expected I was going to have a great time at the DMV. And it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but it was fun while I was there. And I walked out of there and I thought to myself, well, that was, that was full of laughter and love. That was great. And that I got a license is... plate number that I really wanted, you know, so like, <laughs> <laughs> that know, is so, so great. I, I love those. I love sharing those kinds of stories. And um, I'll, I'll share a little affirmation story with Louise as well. And she would, she would very much call you on things that you said, right? You had to be very careful what you said in her presence. Like uh, the, there's a famous story of someone in a meeting saying, well, we can kill two birds with one stone if we do this. And she's like, why would you kill two birds? You know? She didn't like that saying, like, let's not say things that way. And I'll never forget, um, I was having this sciatic back issue and I was all stressed out. And I remember I'm, I'm like I'm limping around the office, right? And I had the balance ball I was trying to sit on. And she came in one day to tape something or do something at the, at the radio station. And she looked at me, she goes, you're not being supported. That's why you're feeling that way. And, and she gave me like some affirmation to say, I am, I am strong and supported in what I do or something like that. But I remember like kind of stopping and looking at her and going, you know, you're right. <laughs> I don't feel supported. There's all this other stuff going on, but she kind of narrowed in on that and, um, and gave me an affirmation for that. And of course, one that I still use all the time is all is well, mm -hmm. everything is working out for my greatest good out of this situation. Only good will come. I am safe. I say that on airplanes, 
you know, I, I say it in, in meditation and, and I use it all the time and I still use her uh, power thought cards and I change them out on my desk and, and look at it and people can make fun and poo poo affirmations and Stuart Smalley and all of that. But she had a point. <laughs> she really did. And it worked for millions and millions and millions of people. And it's still working even now. I mean, think about the legacy. What a legend. Yeah. <laughs> if you think yeah. about it, I'm guilty of writing that on. Like if anyone ever has a whiteboard in their kitchen and I'm visiting, or if there's like one of those bathrooms with like the chalk and all that stuff, I'll write the all is well affirmation on there just to like leave a positive thing next to like all the graffiti or whatever else people have put. Um, because it is, <laughs> it's a great, I, to me, it's like just leaving a little like, cosmic breadcrumb you know what i mean to to connect people to this concept of like being doing and having uh you know everything that they want and, and everything they want being enough and everything in front of them being enough you know, like there it's it's a weird way of putting it, just contentment you know what i mean it's not it's not this constant churning yearning that i think is a lot fed by our egos which i i saw this meme a while ago and it was like it said your ego is not your amigo and i if I was going to get a tattoo, I might get that out somewhere in my body where I could see your ego is not your amigo. But um, I I just think that the world we're in, and we, we're very fortunate, I think you and I, to have found ourselves here because I came from a very different background. You came from radio. You know, those are not known for being well life balanced out, you know, experiences or, or ex you know, I was working at a law firm before I worked at Tony Robbins. And like denying people their healthcare insurance. So I was the opposite of healing in that job. Oh. Uh, and so now I guess karmically, I'm making up for the fact that I did that in a previous career. But, you know, to find yourself in a, this space where everything's allowed, you you can explore whatever feels good for you and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, it's just continuing to seek, continuing to try things, continuing to like learn and grow. That's the only requirement. You know what I mean? And in some cases, you don't have to do that. Like if you're doing meditation, you can just sit there um, and yes. do the work, which is what we used to do at house. Yeah, we had little, we had meditation <laughs> uh, circles in the conference room and, uh, you know, we would meditate till one time you were snoring. That was so I, funny. That was more than one time you, I was snoring. <laughs> you like, you zoned Those out. Those were long days, the four hours, because they were doing, they were one of the first companies I ever um, worked at that had the four day week. Yes. And I loved it. Boy, that was a selling point for me when they said four day week, like in the interview, <laughs> like sign me up, you know, <laughs> what, do, what do I have to do? But so, that's how yeah. great the structure of balance was, right? It's creating that balance for you to be able to schedule your appointments and run your errands on Friday and not have to worry about missing work or having to like deal with any of the paperwork that goes along with taking time off like that. But gosh, what a, what a magical time to have been there. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were there. Um, well, I I just recently posted this on Facebook. Something came up in my memories that was like seven years ago. It was 2017, like in February, Louise had come in the office and this was after she had suffered a stroke and had recovered, you know, enough to like, she was walking around. I mean, it was rough. And I had, a, I took a picture with her and it was in the back of the warehouse. We had like a little party for her. And then in August she passed that mm. that same year. So that was the last um, the last time that I actually saw her, you know, in person. But I mean, she she loved the company and what she was doing, and was still involved, like even to the end in her nineties. You know, maybe not in the day to day minutia of the business, but you know, she would bring in authors, and if there was something that she wanted published, I'm, I'm sure that it got published. You know, 
if she said it, you know, it happened. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a great, a great time to be there. And, and, and I want to go, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say <laughs> to add to that, sorry, you know, uh, to me, she was like that perfect blend of, of the spiritual and the business side of it, which is not super common. Otherwise there would be a ton of people that are, have their own publishing companies in the spiritual space. I think that uniquely, like the timing, her personality, her unique skill set, her vision, plus the fact that she could blend business with spirituality is, is a large part of the success, the continued success as the company is still going, that set everybody up for all of that. So anybody who's out there that's doing a spiritual thing or, or working on themselves, you know, send a little prayer up to Louise and thank her for you know, creating this movement for so many people. Yes, I, I agree. And I, I think um, I do. I, th I think about her a lot. Sometimes I'm like, well, what would Louise do in this situation? I'm exhausted. You know, I'm trying to launch a business and I'm doing things that are scary. And, and I want to kind of circle back to limiting beliefs because we had talked mm. about this a little bit before. And it, it's something that, you know, you work on yourself as well and with other people is that imposter syndrome, you know, and I'll go back and share one of my big fears is well, I'm not a quote business person. I'm not a businesswoman. I'm not, a, I'm not good at math. And I'll, I've mentioned this before on other shows. Like I have a phobia. I have a math fear and phobia. I don't like numbers and I don't know why, like I've dug back into it. Like, it's not like my father was hauled off by the IRS and thrown in jail. <laughs> you know, we weren't <laughs> evicted. Like there wasn't a trauma that I could point to that gave me reason that I could say, oh, this is why I have this irrational fear. Cause I know it's irrational. And, and I have to stop myself when I say, I'm not a business person. Like, no, no, you are, you know, you can be a business person, quote, business person. Like to me, it, it has some, why would it have a negative connotation? Right. Yeah. Um, or who am I to think that I can interview, you know, these spiritual luminaries intelligently and, and share ideas, or who am I to think that I can launch a network you know, and, and working with a business partner who thought that would ever happen. And so all of that, so and I'm, yet, I'm laying out you, all my limiting beliefs. Well, out, listen, out and, and I have very similar ones too. I mean, when it comes to spiritually sensitive people and spiritually sensitive people who are trying to do something or do a thing, um, imposter syndrome is one of these, like, I like to call them these like three little creatures that tend to pop up when you're, you're on your journey, so to speak. Uh, and one of them is imposter syndrome. There's another one called um, perfection paralysis. And there's a third one that's ever we're all we're all familiar with, which is called paranoia. Uh, and, you know, imposter syndrome is this concept that uh, you feel like you're not good enough. Um, and there's a voice and it's usually your ego or it's usually some trauma that you've carried with you or something that's informing your opinion of yourself. Even if you've had years of experience, Diane, which you have, even if you've talked to some of the biggest names in the spiritual industry, even if people have been, you know, enlightened by your presence and your personality and you've received all that feedback and you've read the fan mail, all that stuff could still be coming your way and you still don't quite believe it. Uh, and putting it in terms of like a spiritual business owner, you've done a ton of readings for people and they're all raving about how amazing you are and what incredible healing you brought to them, but you still can't let yourself step into that spotlight fully because you think that, Oh, there's somebody out there that's better than me or someone out there who has more training than me or someone out there that's better looking than me or someone out there that dresses better than me or someone out there that, you know, whatever it is, there's always this like, Oh, but somebody else is doing it. That's part of that imposter syndrome. And 
you know, the the only thing I could say in this moment, just from what we were talking about with, you know, Wayne and Louise, our spiritual grandparents, as I refer to it as like my spiritual grandma and pop pop. It's kind of I think about it. <laughs> but Wayne had this whole thing about like, I am like, you know, like the I am statements. And so I always like to use that during an imposter syndrome moment. Because it really, and I do the power stance thing. I don't know if you're you're familiar with this whole changing the your Wonder physiology Woman thing. Wonder Woman stance, like that. yeah, is that the what Superman you mean? or the Wonder Woman, whatever you want to use. But <laughs> I I will frequently do that because it I I you know I'm a sloucher, so sometimes I I can get myself all crunched up. So it immediately snaps me out of the physical form of what I was feeling, and then I use like a Wayne Dyer I am to to push myself out of this this paranoia or excuse me this imposter syndrome, which is I guess technically paranoia, but um. It, it seems to help me. I think the other thing that I really try to look at is remembering that a lot of people could teach about chakras, but only you could teach about chakras on your journey. Like your story, the story of what happened laid over your experience of chakras is what people are attracted to. They can find chakra information literally anywhere. You can go on Wikipedia and get the driest version of chakras that's ever been created. And it's not going to really mean anything. But if you tie it into your narrative of your experience of it, all of a sudden it becomes this powerful story. And that's really what spiritual journeys I think are about. And it's what writing a book is about. It's what sharing is about. It's what's being in front of a microphone. It's podcasts are even about this is we're sharing stories. Uh, and that's how we communicate. And that's how we share on a more uh, emotional and a deeper level than just, you know, like writing it out. Like yes. a, a document that's, that's like, learn. here are the seven chakras and this is what they mean. Like that, that's like dry. And what we're doing is a lot more, you know, just hum- like more, it's, and I, I want to say more human, but it's like more real. It's more deep. It's more who we are. And it's a, it's a bigger connection. So that's the, 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 you know, imposter syndrome part. And then the other two, um, the, the paranoia, let's go there first. Well, let's do paranoia last. Um, the perfection paralysis is something that I'm super guilty of. And I think you, most people probably are, which is you want to do something, but you want it to be perfect and you want to do it once and you want to, you know, not make any mistakes and you want it to happen as quickly as it possibly can. And you want it to get the effect that you want. Uh, and so the crushing pressure that you place on yourself to perform stops you from even doing it in the first place. So you're stuck because you want it to be perfect. So you're not willing to let it be 85%. You're not willing to let it be, uh, you know, 75% or 99%. It's like you struggle to get that last percent point out and you won't kick the thing out the door and let people see it unless you think it's perfect. And I can't even imagine how many more Louise Hayes there are out there that will never step into or haven't yet stepped into the spotlight because they're trapped in this loop of perfection paralysis. It's not perfect. So I'm not going to publish my book. It's not perfect. So I can't, can't do my course. It's not perfect. So I can't post this meme on social media, you know, so we are all struggling with that. I know I am. I do that. I pretty much do that every, every week that I sit down to do my social media, but I know that, that we're all on some level of that having an issue there. And the correction point I would say is just playing this game of like, is it done or is it not done? You know what I mean? Make it right. binary just for the time being. Like, you know, they say that thing. It's like, you're, you can't be just a little bit pregnant, you know, like that whole thing. It's like, is this thing done or is it not done? Like, There's got to be a line somewhere where you're like, this exists in the real world or it doesn't. And just by letting it exist in the real world, it removes this concept of perfection. And it's just like, it is. So I made a free thing that's going to go on my website so people can download it uh, and get to know me better. It's just a word document that I turned into a PDF 
but that that's fine. It exists. It's in the real world as opposed to, well, I haven't done it yet because I couldn't quite figure out the design. So I'll wait and I'll do it in another month when I feel like I'm ready. And then 12 years goes by and you haven't done anything. And, you know, I don't want to stress anybody out or like, you know, trigger any traumas or anything by saying that, but I know because I spent five years doing that. Oh, my website's not perfect yet. Oh, I really need to be able to compete at the level of these people. Oh, I'm this thing got has a typo in it or that. And I just like shut it all down and locked it away and never let it see the light of day. And I'm now changing that. You know what I mean? So I'm excited about all the things that I'm doing to fix it. And I think everybody could be excited to say there's gold in these hills. You know what I mean? That you've left untapped and you haven't mined yet. And it's your hills. It's your gold. It could be out there, you know, being shared with the world and helping people. Uh, and they're not going to know what the last 15% of the thing was that you didn't get done, or they're not going to know that last 1% because it's going to mean something different to them. So I hope we're not like too far in the weeds on this, but no, but I guess it's what, such what a I'm... great point. And I just, I was going to share like another um, facet of that, you know, perfection paralysis is, well, I'm the manager of the world and I'm the only one who can do it. Like the martyr kind of, you know, no one else can do this. I have to do it, you know, and the fear of delegating and trusting you know, bringing other people onto your team. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've done that in, in other situations and then I end up burning myself out and I'm doing 10 different jobs when I could be trusting and delegating and teaching other people too. Yeah. I, I am struggling with that too. And I have for a long time. And the thing that, that broke it through for me was I'm obsessed with this TV show called below deck. Oh uh, yeah, I'm familiar. And so on, on the boat, on the boat, there's there's this chief stew who's responsible for like the whole experience of the guests that are on the boat. And if it's a good chief stew, you can tell because they delegate things very clearly and very decisively. And if it's a bad chief stew, they cannot delegate and they're running all over the boat and falling downstairs and you know breaking their arms and doing all these things because they can't delegate. And it was right in front of me on this last season of like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. This is what it looks like. This is what I look like to other people. You know, it gave me this kind of moment of clarity, this blind spot moment that, you know, pulled in front of me and was like, hey, you got to stop controlling everything. You can, you can delegate. Um, And then the last one, I mean, this is one that's so confronting, I think, is this concept of paranoia. And when I say the word paranoia, I know that everybody, your mind goes to like a conspiracy theorist with like the board with the red string connecting all the pictures but some of us are like that about how we view the world and our place in it, or how we view the spiritual industry or our place in that, or how we view how people see us or like all these thoughts and feelings that we have that are all jumbled up that are literally a picture on a board with red strings attached to it. And you're wildly gesturing to all of them and waving your arms around. There's a little bit of that, I think, in all of us. I don't mean to take it to that extreme, but a paranoid thought could be nobody likes me. A paranoid thought could be, I'm not good enough. A paranoid thought could be, you know, like somebody out there is better at me than this. A paranoid thought could be, I'm not ready. A paranoid, you know, all these things that come up that are constantly floating around, those are all paranoid thoughts. My paranoid thought was, if I work in the spiritual industry, something bad's going to happen to me. And that was because when I was a little kid, uh, my grandmother was very superstitious and uh, our neighbors had a Ouija board and she caught me playing with it and I got in so much trouble. And her kind of whole attitude was, is that, you know, you shouldn't, uh, if you, if, when you reach through the veil, you never know what you're going to bring back with you. And so for the longest time, I carried this thought that was like, okay, well, if I reach through the veil, or if I work with psychics, or I work with intuitives, or I get a tarot reading or whatever it is, that something bad's going to happen. And 
it took me a really, really long time to get to the point of realizing that I interpreted that message that way through paranoia. I turned it into something bad. Now she meant it as something bad. Let's not misconstrue it. She was a superstitious person, AKA also paranoid. Um, But when you think about paranoia, most people don't know that the antithesis of paranoia is pronoia, which is instead of the world is out to get me, it's that the world is, is, is out to support me or the world is conspiring in my favor or the universe is conspiring in my favor. And so to change that phrase, when you reach through the veil, you don't know what you're going to bring back. That could mean something super positive. You reach through the veil and you bring back knowledge, or you bring back healing or you bring back transformation or whatever it would be. Right. So, so I, I, I have to really stress to everybody listening is that when you find yourself caught in that paranoid thought that everything about spirit teaches us that balance is key. You have to balance out your paranoid thought with a pronoid thought. So you have to, you have to say, okay, well, oh, I'm going to fail if I do this. And you have to balance it out with, I could equally as just as easily succeed. So you have to bring that, that focus back into balance. If you're going to give credit to the negative, you have to give credit to the positive, which no one ever does for some reason. <laughs> right. I've never heard of pronoia. Oh, it's great. That's so it's funny. <laughs> a, it's a It's a very awesome way to stop yourself, to pattern interrupt and stop yourself when you're having these thoughts pile up about doing a thing. And you're like, well, what if it turns out terribly? What if it turns out amazingly? And you have to be able, and it almost like it, if I know you have a math phobia, so I'm just going to say this, but don't be triggered by it. It's <laughs> okay. like in algebra when the, when the equations cancel out, right? So it's, you're just trying to cancel out that whole thing. It's not like um, you can only live in pronoia. No, that wouldn't work either. It's got to have the balance. So the, the pronoia as a tool is like, if you have the paranoid thought, which we're all more inclined to do, balance it out with the pronoia thought and then let it go. You know what I mean? Release it back into the wild to do its own thing. And that's kind of how I relate to all of these little monsters that I was talking about just a second ago. Um, it's It's like these they're not really monsters because in reality, these three beliefs, whether it's the perfection paralysis, the imposter syndrome or the paranoia, they are like surrounding you. They're like these fuzzy little animals surrounding you and keeping you safe and warm in your comfort zone because they don't want you to go out there and risk it. They don't want you to do anything. They want to keep you exactly where you are. So you stay safe and you stay small and you, you don't go out there and live your best life or go out there and do the thing you're meant here to do. Uh, to, you know, you're meant to do here on, on earth. And so it, they're the ones that are kind of tricking you into thinking you're safer if you stay where you are and how do you get rid of them? Right. You know, most of the personal development world would say like, burn them, slash them, cut them away, you know, blow them up. But that's not really how we as spiritually sensitive people relate to things, right? You're talking about Louise and you can't kill two birds with one stone. Like you would feed two birds with one peanut, you know, like whatever you want to call it, but, <laughs> right. the but it's the same with, yeah, it's the same way here. So I struggled for a long time because what do you do with these three thoughts or these three little monsters or whatever your particular monsters are, or these little cuddle buddies or whatever you want to call them. And I felt a lot better about releasing them back to the universe so that whatever that little bubble of energy was, I'm not judging it if it was positive or negative because it thought it was helping me by keeping me safe, but I don't need it anymore. So it's kind of on me to release it and say, hey, look, I love you. Like, thank you so much for for keeping me safe, for doing what you thought was right, but I don't need you anymore. And what you're telling me isn't the truth. And I'm going to release you now to go and have an adventure somewhere else and become whatever it is you're supposed to be, but you can't stay here with me anymore. 
you know what I mean? It's like setting up that boundary even for yourself from all of these, these different thoughts sometimes is enough to help break the pattern so you can catch it and release it every time it comes up. Yeah. I love what you're sharing with that. It's so valuable because it does become, it can become a pattern and you'll just start thinking there. You'll just go to that paranoid place and, and you'll immediately do that. And what I've been trying to do to deal with that is when I start going in that place and I go, let's just entertain the thought just for even five seconds that this is all going to be okay. So even just for that, you know, short amount of time, let's, let's just entertain that thought and it may end horribly. I don't know. You, you know, but g give it a chance to breathe that everything could be okay. Right. Yeah. So, or, and everything could that... be amazing, but right. it's interesting what you're talking about. This happens a lot too in, in personal development or in spiritual work is that a lot of people are in crisis, right. And they keep getting sold this vision of extraordinary, but you're skipping over this like important part where it's like, I just, I'm okay. I, I feel safe. I feel good. You know, like I'm, I feel stable. And so it's important that to know, like on the trajectory of you even starting to think about some of the things we're talking about today is if you're in crisis, it's, it's great to point at extraordinary, but sometimes it feels out of reach. Sometimes just getting to like normal can be the goal. And then once you're normal and you can feel the air, like you're saying, like, take a breath and be like, okay, what if this all works out? I'm going to take a few breaths at normal and then look around and see, okay, where do I want to go next? And it could totally be in a completely different direction than where you thought you needed to go from crisis. So it's like, it's a great way of kind of the, when we talk about navigating, because you mentioned that earlier, like I want people to know the stops on the journey when it comes to doing this thing with your gift is that it's okay to be in crisis about it. It's okay to be like, eh, okay, just like, you know, normal about it. Uh, and it's also okay to, to change your trajectory and look somewhere else. I thought I wanted to be a psychic medium, but now I think I should be an intuitive coach. I, you know, I thought I wanted to be a, you know, I'm a, a tarot reader, but I think Oracle cards are more my style. So, it, you know, you need to give yourself permission to kind of take a breath at each phase of this journey and look around and say, you know, I'm on the right path. Does this all still feel good? Right. And, and contentment is okay. Contentment's totally fine. You know, I mean, we all would love ecstasy and, and joyful happiness, you know, those peaks, but that's, that's just not reality. No, right? I, mean, I mean, there are some really good ice creams out there that get me pretty close, but <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> that's true. The, that uh, there's a gelato thing that's three layers. I forget the name. Talenti, I think. <laughs> kind of comes that's exactly close. The, that's the ice cream brand. How did you know? You must be psychic. I am. I'm psychic. Ooh. So I just want to. I mean, we could just like blab about this kind of stuff yes. all day because I know both you and I are, are are passionate about these topics, but. I do want to, you know, let people know if this is resonating with you yeah. in some way and you would like to work with Mooney, how can people reach out and, you know, explore some of these ideas? I have a ton of free and accessible resources over on my website at themooniverse.com. So that's T-H-E and then Mooniverse. So it's universe with an M.com. Uh, and all the information you need is there. But I think the part that's really valuable is I have this Facebook group and it's it's this community of like-minded, supportive, amazing, beautiful people who are on the path to doing the thing, right? And so they might be a couple steps ahead, they might be a couple steps behind, but we're all holding hands and supporting each other, you know, as we're doing this. So people like I have this thing called self-promo Saturday, where everybody can practice promoting what they have going on and sharing it with people so that they get used to the idea of getting the word out in a positive way. 
or um, you know, we have a great welcome Wednesday that people get to introduce themselves and talk about who they are and what they love to do. So it's just an opportunity to help you practice in a safe little bubble all the stuff that you're going to need to be able to do when you launch a business in this in the spiritual industry, in the new thought industry, in the new age industry, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it gives you a really great, safe way to explore all of it. I love it. We're going to get more people following their true north. I think we need more spiritual business people, more quote, spiritual business people out there doing what they love, being happy. I mean, life's too short. Yeah. So let's, let's try to be happy or, or shoot for contentment. One of the Yeah. Two. Shoot for contentment. <laughs> it's been so fun to talk with you. Like we could just blab all day, but I'm sure, you know, you've got things to do. And um, I'm just so grateful you're able to come on and share some of this information and, you know, people look you up and it's the mooniverse.com find out more. And also if you like this podcast, which I hope you do, please uh, subscribe, share, follow all of that stuff, wherever you get your podcast and also check out the amazing podcasters that we have on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and get yourself the free mobile app as well. So thank you again, Mooney, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. It's always great chatting with you. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>